0: Five minutes after six a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Arab Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
1: Malay, A is <laughs> Ay, 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 shall I, my leg, I got a sparrow. Say, Summishale Malachia <laughs> shall lay Malachia. Me Gallagher, <laughs> very old again but to be performed on stage it's very new <laughs> Ra da 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 Mechevle Mashiach, <laughs> you tell Livacha. Pedus a noosat mea. Venasia go, Vaanacha. Mechevle Mashiach, you tell Livacha. go. Ba'anachah Eh, eh Me'en olam abah Yom Shabbat Kolam My Me'en olam You little sim, hey, hey, hey. hey, hey. oh, 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 You tell the you tell you tell the way, you tell the you tell too well, too well, too well, too well, too well, too
0: J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, org, and of course on the NSN app. Six thirty seven, twenty three 23 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Friday. Some amazing Arab Shabbos selections for you. The Weiner Brothers and Sheer Soul with Main Alam Habah. You heard Ohad with Bo, Bo, Bo. Boi v'shalom done by Baruch Levine, Aaron Razel's Yona Matzah, Miami from Miami Mizrach with Yom Zeh, Chaim David's Enkel Okenu, Shalom Aleichem from Regesh, and of course Regesh with Moda opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this June 17th, the 11th day in the month of Sivan, the year 5776, Tavshin Ayin Vav, Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso, at least outside of Israel it's Nusso. Candlelighting time at 8.09 on this of Shabbos. 8.09, your official candle lighting time. Many synagogues begin earlier, especially now after Sphira. Uh, make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday is Father's Day. We say Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and wish Mazal Tov to the dads and grads during this graduation. Season Reminder, Matis has JM Sunday this coming Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app. And Matis will be giving away Brooklyn Cyclones tickets for Tuesday night. This coming uh, Sunday morning, he'll give away Tuesday night Jewish Heritage Night tickets for the Brooklyn Cyclones. You can go to brooklyncyclones.com for information on that as we get ready for Jewish Heritage Night at MCU Park, 7 p.m. this coming Tuesday night. In Brooklyn, 66 degrees with 84% humidity, winds are calm. Beautiful sky out there with partly cloudy weather and a high temperature of 77. Tonight, clear skies, a low 61. Tomorrow, sunshine looks like a great Shabbos weather-wise in this area with a high temperature of 82 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 83. We're at 66 degrees here in Jersey City, as we say good morning. Plenty coming up one hour from now. It's Malcolm Homeline in the weekly update. We'll uh, talk about the events of this week. Uh, as we explore what's uh, been going on in Israel and the Jewish world, that happens uh, one hour from now, here at JM in the AM. Plus, Rabbi Yudin, of course, about Parshas Nusso. That'll be about eight fifteen, and plenty more between now and nine o'clock, all day long on the stream. You have an amazing opportunity to hear incredible Arab Shabbat selections uh, in your car, at work, in your home, in your kitchen as you cook. Whatever you're doing. Make sure you have the NSN app on all day long so you can enjoy the incredible Arab Shabbos musical selections brought to you by our friends at Kedem. That happens all day long on the stream at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app where you can comment and let us know where you're listening to this radio program. You can comment on the home screen of the app and you can do that right now. More coming up. Keep it here at JM and the AM with Aryeh Kunstler. ¡Chao! In the AM, oh yes, good morning, welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world in the web, jmdm.org. Hey, I want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov uh, to Menachem Yitzchak Berkowitz and Belimi and Josh Berkowitz. So Menachem Yitzchak's uh, Bar Mitzvah celebration is taking place tomorrow at... Um, Yeshiva of Central Queens in uh, Queens, New York. And uh, Belimi and Josh are amazing people. Many of you know Josh from Eden Walk-Up in New Rochelle. Menachem Yitzchak celebrates his Bar Mitzvah tomorrow and Sunday. And we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this erev Shabbas Shabbos, before the uh, selection from uh, Shlomo Katz, Yismach Melech, you heard Avraham, Avram, Avram Freed, brand new with Ani The Winery brothers and soul together with Alam Haba. Ohad had Bo, 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 Baruch Levine's Bo, shalom Aaron Razel was in there with Yonah Matzah. Candle lighting time at 8.09 on this erev Shabbas Shabbos, Parshas Nasso 8.09, many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Nasso outside of Israel. Um, in Israel, it's a different Parsha because of the staggered parshios situation that we've been in since Achron Shal Pesach was on Shabbos. Father's Day is Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and to all the dads and grads. We say congratulations during this graduation season. Uh, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to Rabbi and Yaakov, and Ruth Glasser. They're uh, being honored at the Dinner of Tribute at the Unusual Passay Clifton this coming Sunday. Starts at 6.30. Go to YIPC.org, YIPC.org. And again, Mazal Tov to Rabbi Rabbi Rebetzin-Glasser on that amazing distinction happening this coming Sunday night. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. In the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Mattis will be hosting JM Sunday this coming Sunday, and he'll include in the program a ticket giveaway for the Brooklyn Cyclones Jewish Heritage Night. That's happening this coming Tuesday evening. And you get an opportunity to win those tickets and to uh head on over to Jewish Heritage Night in Brooklyn on Tuesday if you're listening Sunday morning to Mattis. On jmnam.org or of course on the uh, NSN app. Uh, you'll be able to hear him and to, uh, have a chance to win tickets for Tuesday night in Brooklyn. So that should be fun. Uh, make sure to be tuned into all of our programming all weekend long. Naomi Nachman will start it off at nine o'clock right after JM in the AM with table for two. Kedem presents our incredible Arab Shabbos music mix. You should have it on, on your app, on your computer, on your laptop. On your iPad, you should have it on all day long. The Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the Am. <laughs>
2: שרה סביב, אמירת מפכה למשטרה על שייך, כי יחידת החקירות הארצית יכולה להקים ולהפיל ממשלות. הנה הקלטה מדבריו בעדיבות אתר החדשות ועל הניוז. זה כנראה לא במקרה שיחד הולדה ב-75. וממשלה כבר נפלה ב-77. ליחה יכולה להקים ממשלות ולהפעיל ממשלות, אבל ליחה צריכה לצפות ישר, וזאת משימה, לא פשוטה. את הדברים אמר המפכל בטקס קריאת רחוב במודיעין, על שמו של תת ניצה בפיין ברח, הזכרו לברכה. המשטרה מסורו לכתבתנו עדה שטייב, כי הדברים נאמרו בהקשר של רגישות הפעילות ביחידה. The 4th of a bay uh nut housed in the m beggar on doors created osteoart Zealand It written in Thin어� t Indes Look man, employed mecbuk, commander, in observation the force of battalion located the immediate town pelvic floor of Rabby's bum Lehרי <laughs> destroyedЙ d内 Her force led 4 נשיא המדינה ריבלין נועד הבוקר עם ראש הממשלה נתניהו שהדכן אותו על תוצאות ביקורו במוסקבה בשבוע שעבר. בנוסף השניים ליבנו סוגיות מדיניות לקראת יציאתו של ריבלין לבלגיה ולמסדות האירופי. ארגון רופאים ללא גבולות מודיע לא מוכנים לקבל כסף מהייחוד האירופי בעקבות הסכם הפליטים, כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. הארגון שקיבל מהייחוד האירופי 63 מיליון דולרים בשנה האחרונה, מודיע כי ישרב לתרומות עתידיות מהייחוד, ממחל המדיניות שנוקד בהסכם הפליטים עם טורקיה. לא נסכים לקבל כסף ממשלות שעושות שימוש לרעה בסיוע שניתן להן רק לשם שמירה על גבולות אמור בארגון והדגישו. נמשיך לממן את פעילותנו מכספי חירום. בית משפט בצרפת החליט לדחות את הדיון על פתיחתה מחדש של חקירת מותו של יסר ערפת, כתבתנו טל זרביב.
3: על פי הודעת משרד הטובה הראשי בצרפת, בית הדין מחדש בחקירת מותו של ערפת רק בשנה שעברה סגר בית המשפט הצרפתית חקירת מות ערפת, בטענה כי
2: ומזג האוויר עלייה בטמפרטורות, בשבת כבר יהיה חם. לעדכונים נוספים, חפשו גלץ בטוויטר. אלה החדשות שעורך אישי שנרב, בעצבת, אדר איזק ועומר לוי.
0: Good morning, everybody. Arab Shabbos. <laughs> For some, Arab Shabbos can't come quickly enough, even during this short week. Shlomo Katz with Yismichu. Ben Solomon before that with Chad Odi. 14 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. Malcolm Homeline's going to join us. Weekly update is on the way starting at 7.40 Eastern Time. A lot of great ways to tune in, including... On the radio, on jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app where you can comment and uh, let us know what you think about what's happening on the air. And I thank those who comment all day long, and it seems all through the night sometimes as well, uh, on the app. It is much appreciated. Don't forget we have an amazing and incredible Arab Shabbos music mix that goes on starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time on jmnam.org and the NSN app, presentation of Kedem, and an amazing way to go into Shabbos if you are... uh, if you're cooking, if you're driving, if you're working, if you're, I don't know, anywhere, and you have a laptop, you have an iPad, you have an iPhone, you have an Android phone, you have a computer, uh, whatever mechanism you have these days, just plug in the NSN app and let the music roll all through the day. It's an amazing way to fill your home and your office with great Arab Shabbos selection, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to do so and enjoy. Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 8.09. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Father's Day is Sunday. We again say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And a reminder that JM Sunday with Matis, which is always a great show every single Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday, Matis will be giving away tickets to the Brooklyn Cyclones Jewish Heritage Night. That's happening on Tuesday in Brooklyn, New York. We're all looking forward to that. Uh, so check it out. Uh, check out JM Sunday every single Sunday morning between 7 and 9 on org and on the NSN app. And tune in this Sunday so that uh, you can uh, possibly win tickets for the Brooklyn Cyclones Jewish Heritage Night on Tuesday. And we'll see you there. Come on over when you see us walking around the stadium. Come on over and say hi and um, express your amazing Jewish pride by being at Jewish Heritage Night at MCU Park this coming Tuesday, 66 degrees, partly cloudy and a high of 77. Looks like great weather over Shabbos in this area. Clear tonight, sunshine for tomorrow. High tomorrow, 82 degrees. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 83. We're at 66 in Jersey City. It's JM in the AM with Ari Goldwag. JM in the AM, hey, I just want to give a shout-out to listener Rhoda, who um, just wrote to us from Ramat Beit Shemesh, telling us how great it is to listen to JM in the AM while uh, preparing for Shabbos in Ramat Beit Shemesh. So Shabbat Shalom, and thank you so much for that. And everybody tuned in around the world. It is a pleasure to reach you and to uh, have you tune in to us here at JM in the AM. Much appreciated. Uh, Weekly update coming up and plenty more. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
1: Shemim Kucha Brigho down I'm down I'm down Ava, 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 I'm on, I'm on, yeah, I'm on, don't know. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on, I don't know. I don't know, yeah, I'm on, I'm am do not know am i am am svo gedolmer ich scho ino oh oh kho oi sem mit svo ahas kitano bisim kho igaglum mit svo gedolmer ich scho ino kho oi sem mit svo ahas kitano bisim kho igagluloi sui smit svo gedolmer ich scho ino oh mit svo ahas kitano bisim Gaga lu mitz voge deine mer die schein Samitsumitso in der da gibt's so wenn mit tuta mitz voge Ham's getan o bisim kho, die ganglum mitvorge deine no. o
0: JM the AM, Yom Zed, done by uh, Yisrael Werdiger. Uh, that is a nice selection, I must say. Comes from the CD entitled um, Oda La here at JM and the AM. Lipa before that, and like I said so many times yesterday, he he and all the other artists were so amazing at Yiddish Soul the other night in Central Park. Lipa with Nakdisha. He heard Mordechai Shapiro in there with Schar Mitzvah and Zusha. They were also great the other night in uh, Central Park. Uh, that song is called uh, Teshuva from the Kavana CD here at JMA. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically remind their readers about us and our incredible live stream where you could hear the unbelievable Arab Shabbos music mix all through today, actually starting at 10 a.m. this morning. Presentation of Kedem goes all the way until candlelighting time. There's no better way to go through your Erev Shabbos and with that Erev Shabbos music mix and thanks to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com if you want to print out about, uh, oh I don't know a thousand, two thousand articles before Shabbos to read a long Shabbos afternoon issues pertaining to Israel and the Jewish world uh, you can go there and do just that also want to thank our friends at com who continue to utilize our content in their incredible brand new news feed if you haven't checked it out yet they are they have moved so far beyond, they have not neglected at all, but they've moved so far beyond all the Simcha news and into uh, uh, other news items and important news items, and in many cases fun and interesting and, and sometimes strange news items from around the Jewish world. Check out OnlySimchas.com. Do so on a regular basis. Erev Shabbos Parshas Nusso with candle lighting at 8.09. Uh, Sunday is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dear dads out there. And a reminder that Matis on JM Sunday, which begins 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday on jmnam.org and on the NSN app, Mattis has tickets to the Brooklyn Cyclones Jewish Heritage Night at MCU Park this coming Tuesday night. He'll be giving those away during the show on Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in each and every week on Sunday morning. And uh, that goes for listeners around the world. Speaking of around the world, Malcolm Homeline this week in Jerusalem. Yes, he's one of the lucky people on this globe who is in the Holy City of Jerusalem. And Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honlein, welcome back to JM in the AM.
4: Always oh, good to be with you, but never better than from Jerusalem.
0: Must be amazing there, and we wish we were there it's with
4: beautiful. you. beautiful. weather is beautiful. The city is beautiful. So many amazing things being discovered and being found. So many wonderful places that people don't get to see. You really have to come. and It's not crowded now. It's a perfect time.
0: Hmm, not crowded yet. I would guess sometime in the next couple of weeks it's going to get very crowded, I hope at least. <laughs> um,
4: well, one of the problems we've discussed before is that when you know you have a, pe- per- a period of horizon and some of the attacks and people then are hesitant to make reservations because they don't know, So you don't feel the impact until months later. And there's going to be a big upsurge in tourism in the fall because people now see it safe and they're coming. But for a short period here, it's a hiatus. So I'm telling you, it's a good time for people to come. Pack your bag now, and right after Shabbos, get on a plane.
0: Plus, a lot of people, I hope, and I hope I'm not fooling myself, are planning on being in Israel during 2017 because of the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. So they may be saving their trips for that period of time as well. I hope that is the case. Speaking of Jerusalem, by the way, uh, the passing of Dr. Irving Moskowitz. Speak about somebody who had an impact on the present and future of the holy city of Jerusalem. And I posted that, uh, I'm paraphrasing, how all of us should be blessed to follow his example of his dedication to both Zion and Jerusalem. What a difference one man can make, huh, Malcolm?
4: He made a huge difference. He was a very courageous donor. He gave to things that weren't always uh, in vogue, but had the foresight to see their importance, and um, certainly his passing should be mourned, and uh, we extend our condolences to his family and to the many, many people he worked with. There
0: are a handful of family names that will go down in modern Jewish history as uh, those that were significant in the building of Jerusalem and really, again, Israel in general and I believe the Moskowitz name will be among them and uh, I noticed and this is a topic you and I have discussed many many times I noticed in his biography that um, Time magazine had written that he lost uh, he was already in the United States he was born here in the United States in the 1920s uh, but he lost 120 relatives during the Holocaust that was the estimate and, uh, it is, again, amazing. And again, I know he's not a survivor, so to speak, but it is amazing that somebody who's, who's given the, the privilege and the fate to live on, um, you know, takes full advantage of that opportunity here on earth and, again, makes such an impact and such a difference. A topic that you and I have discussed many times, everybody out there, and especially the young people. I speak like an old man already. Um, all the young men and women in this audience, uh, it, half the battle is realizing the type of impact you can have, and I know you agree with that. Absolutely. So there you have it. Uh, we remember Dr. Irving Moskowitz. Uh, why is there such a hesitation to you? And this is a term that you bravely and courageously—and I say that only half tongue-in-cheek—have used since the mid-nineties on these airwaves and in many other places. Why is there such hesitation? from places like the White House and others, to use the phrase Islamic fundamentalists, especially when it comes to an attack uh, that we saw this past uh, weekend down in Orlando?
4: Yeah, well, the President explains why he doesn't do it, and he feels that it, it uh, classes a group of people. I think it does the opposite. I think by identifying Islamic extremists and talking about Islamic fundamentalists and fundamentalism, you identify that segment that is engaged in it, And that, in fact, could protect others or or try to indicate that not all are. And when you refuse to do so, uh, I think it also raises another problem, that if you can't name it, you can't fight it. And if you can't identify what the enemy is very specifically, and using generic terms, not just in this regard, but in general, when when people use uh, generic terminology, then it's it's counterproductive in, in the effort. And I think that you know the the um, we've seen that Arab countries and others have had less uh, restrictions on talking about it. And even Sisi this week talked about the need for reform in, in Islam. Uh, you know we can't let political correctness run amok and, and undermine uh, the effort. And again, no, not all people should be branded. And it's it's correct uh, uh, to to make uh, distinctions. But when when you see officialdom, when you see the media, when you see certainly the PA, for instance. Not to identify the incitement and not to look at how funds, like from Europe now, there's uh, uh, reports about uh, additional funding and aid for, for um, uh, supposed to go for refugees and economies. In fact, going for many other uh, uh, other purposes, and the the failure to to address that, to to identify who's responsible, who's doing it, who's who's involved in the incitement you can't then properly address it.
0: Is it, um, is it detrimental to this effort of identifying uh, these killers as being Islamic fundamentalists that, 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 they, that they often, as in this case, are identified as ISIS sympathizers? Do, does the media sometimes have trouble understanding that, that ISIS and Islamic fundamentalism is essentially one and the same?
4: Well, ISIS is one expression of it, and you have uh, many. Uh, some are religiously motivated, some are politically motivated. But the instigation, and this, especially when you see it on the internet, affects them all. And the the growth of these extremist movements has to be identified, uh, and should have been many years ago. And this is true of many administrations failing to to identify and and to build up those who are associated in the United States with some of these uh, organizations directly or indirectly, and when they get recognition by implementation of the White House, but even by appointments by White House, you undermine then the more moderate leadership because they say, look, who gets the recognition If the most extreme guys, guys who had associations with the Holy Land Foundation, with other groups that were implicated in, in involvement with supporting terrorism, and then well, what, what is the message that you send? So you have to think about the ramifications of this in in a um, in a much broader uh, sense than than I think people try to to look at it in a very limited with a very limited lens. This is not the way you deal with global terrorism.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, in reaction to what happened last weekend. So, uh, what what does it say to you? A failure of. Uh, Intelligence agencies in the United States to identify certain people, you know, somebody falling through the cracks who they should have been able to identify and, uh, you know, and, and arrest, you know, a long time ago. Uh, what does it tell us about the, uh, the future in this country in terms of, you know, potential for more attacks and specifically for our community, which, you know, we always feel that, uh, any major institution in our community is or an even minor institution, you know, it could be a target. What is the, what are the lessons in the aftermath of this?
4: Well, I don't think we can draw all the lessons because we don't know all the facts about the guy, about his associations. Why was he at this club before, supposedly? So there are many things we have yet to learn. But the fundamental principles, and that's what I was referring to before, remain the same. The failure of the media to to, to, to address terrorists when we know that they are terrorists, to call them that, even, though, even using the term militants. I mean, to be a militant is not necessarily bad. You know, the Founding Fathers... Uh, Patrick Henry could have been described as a, as a militant. Others were described as militants in defense of liberty. So it, it is a neutralizing term and, and deflects from the true nature of of the enemy that we, that we face, that we all face uh, collectively. And we've seen this week uh, a lot of information about Hezbollah, Hamas, about the growth of ISIS, Al-Qaeda, continued um, expansion in some uh, in some areas. And, it, you know, it brings to mind about the way the media treated it, that this is the 35th anniversary this week of the attack on the Osirak nuclear reactor in Iraq. And if you remember how the media reacted at the time, <laughs> the U.S. even cut off some aid to Israel at the time, and, but there were round condemnations, and the media in particular uh, went after Israel for taking out a nuclear reactor. That action saved countless American lives, in Iraq and in the conflicts in Iraq subsequently, and who knows what, what have would have happened if they had deployed uh, nuclear weapons um, at the time? And remember, the French were involved in in helping Saddam Hussein build that uh, facility, and the um, and it staked off uh, perhaps a nuclear race that uh, now we are again facing with the Iranian developments. But for, it, bought, it bought two decades and. The, the world was so quick to condemn Israel and so quick to, to identify um, the action in negative terms rather than recognizing and having the foresight to understand how important this step was.
0: Yeah, no question about it. And what about the debate now as we see, you know, again, White House reaction and, and in many ways, you know, different reaction from different sides of the aisle, the debate on immigration freeze. Uh, I know this is a sensitive topic, especially for Jewish leaders. You know, should Jewish community leaders be out there? Uh, asking for, um, uh, for uh, you know, a a a long hard look at the United States immigration policies, when of course the you know the Jewish community is very sensitive to that, uh, and then of course we have presumptive presidential candidates who are calling for immigration freezes from certain countries, for just for this reason, the aftermath of this attack. Um, what should our position be when it comes to this topic?
4: Well, as you said, it's very sensitive and it's very complex. Something that needs a, a seminar, not a, an answer and And it is because it it has many ramifications if you If you don't have any restrictions, if you don't have proper um, screening processes in place, just look at the testimony of people from the fbi and and uh, national security agencies talking about the infiltrations across the border, talking about the smuggling across the border, talking about the the presence of cells in the United States. And that should be a warning, and, and Canada as well. Canada had an open door policy, and we saw how Hezbollah took advantage, building a huge presence around uh, in the Toronto area and, and others, um, other countries, the same. So, you know, just because somebody thinks that there has to be restrictions doesn't make him a racist. Sometimes people use language that sounds racist, and that demeans and undermines the uh, serious and a serious approach. Uh, to this issue, it requires a serious approach.
0: Yeah. Um, and I know that uh, you know the, the, you like to focus on other elections other than the presidential one, but just in, in this case, uh, sometimes it's frustrating, especially so during debate season, sometimes it's frustrating that foreign policy and all these important issues are never addressed. Do you think that this will, and other, other important issues, economy, etc., but do you think that this will, in fact, be a big focus this summer as the real debates? uh get set into action and the conventions and the uh platforms uh you know become uh, public information, so to speak? Do you think we'll finally well, I think see it'll this? be one of
4: the issues. Obviously that's discussed and it's a high profile issue and for certainly for some communities it can be a decisive issue, for others an important one, and for others maybe less significant. But anybody who predicts anything about what's going to happen in this election I think is not somebody you could take seriously. There's nobody who knows What's going to happen? Everything has so far been unpredictable, and I think it's a time of of huge flux when I see it from abroad and see the questions that are being asked now confused people are and when I ask it about what's in America I said it's the same thing. people are confused people are are there, there is a sense of um, uh, of uncertainty. Not just about the election, but also, you know, the the other elections that are not getting the attention, which is the elections for Congress for the Senate and House, which are also very important, if sometimes even more important, and it's where communities can have a greater impact uh, and individuals have a greater impact in voting directly and, and because of the... You know, nationwide poll, the the smaller groups have less of a a push, although every vote counts and every vote is important, and especially in a state like New York with all the electoral college votes that are here, California, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, other places where you have large Jewish communities. So I think that um, no one knows what issues are going to come up between now and the election. We don't know what's going to happen in the U.N. We see already the the charges, counter charges uh, coming in, in Uh, over the last few days uh, regarding um, the missile defense program, regarding um, this Gaza defection and the information that will be called from there about the whole uh, tunnel policy, a laptop full of information now turned over to to the Israelis uh, by a man who's rumored to be a key guy in the whole structure, maybe the key guy. Uh, But, you know, the revelations that have come out about, What's happening in the region about the growth of, of various groups that ISIS has is finally been taken on in Libya, but the the growth of Al Qaeda in a, in a lot of places that has not been the focus uh, of much attention, and the the changing dynamic inside the the wars in Syria, Lebanon, uh, and uh, involving Iran, involving Russia, involving a lot of parties. So all of these things could become, and and certainly the Brexit issue could mm-hmm. be. Uh, a dominant issue with its ramifications, which will have grave economic and other uh, and political implications,
0: well, not Bre- only
4: for Europe but for the world.
0: It seems the Brexit issue has already led to the murder of a British uh, member of Parliament, uh, which of course, so. yeah, you know, which of course happened yesterday. And I wanted to ask you about the ramifications of that. I mean, what what? Uh, and again, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's beneficial for our community or the Jewish, you know, worldwide or the Jewish community in Great Britain, but I mean, what are the ramifications depending on how this vote goes?
4: Well, I think the economic and political ramifications are going to be great. People, I'm I'm not an expert economist; it's not a subject I enjoy, but I know that the Chinese and others are going to look and see if the euro falls because of this and is weakened further. Which strengthens the dollars, and they will want to flood the market with dollars to bring it down. I mean, I've heard many analyses about all the possible ramifications. It can make your head spin but when you think about uh, what what it will mean. Does it mean Europe, uh, England, becomes more isolationist? When we see all of the parties rising in Europe that are um, that favor isolation and that talk about a revision of of the European history, and some who want to go back to to what was and not what is, and that if you remember years ago I spoke on uh, I spoke here and elsewhere and said that I think Europe is moving on two plateaus at the same time mm. at, at one towards unification one towards disunification and we are seeing it in more and more prominent ways and what happened in England can be replicated elsewhere there are Spain has a referendum coming up soon so the integration of the EU would have uh, consequences that I think can't be predicted now, but think of the economic implications. What happens to Greece? What happens to all of the common efforts? Do they sustain those things? Do they do they get endangered by it? Uh, and with the rise of the extreme parties in Europe, and uh, we saw it in, in in Austria, where it was a very narrow defeat of of an extreme right party. Um, how will this affect then the future political trends?
0: Do you know if the Jewish community in uh, in Great Britain is uh, overwhelmingly on one side or the other side of this issue?
4: As far as I know, they are pro- they are supportive of staying in the EU. But right. I'm sure there are exceptions. I know.
0: Yeah, I'm sure of that uh, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard and listeners' sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9, in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, ORG, of course, on the NSN app. But Malcolm homeline is with us from uh, Jerusalem, Israel, as we talk about the events of the week here during the weekly update. Now, I'm a little bit confused about the whole uh, issue when it comes to the uh, missile defense systems. You you released a statement um, uh, formally called the Obama administration' decision to formally object to a proposed increase in funding by Congress to Israel for missile defense very troubling and a disturbing departure from the prior practice of this in previous administrations. And I saw other sources where, uh, where it seemed to me that the White House in fact was going to support um uh, more uh, funding um for Israel's missile defense system. What is the latest update? What is going on there in Washington?
4: Well, both are correct. You're right. So uh, let me just explain a little bit. You know that the uh, the Congress submitted its defense budget, and they uh, uh, I think it's called up uh, uh the amount of money for the Iron Dome and David Sling uh, project to six hundred million dollars. I think the administration asked for less than a uh, hundred and fifty million and every year for the past years that has been true and the administration accepted the increased amount and uh, it was allocated the and remember that this is critical to u.s. security as well because the developments of this anti-missile program by israel um, is used in the united states it's deployed here and it's it, it's, uh, the, it, it provides uh, benefits to protecting our own troops and our own borders so it's not just for Israel. This this is a joint program, and they, they all uh, benefit from it. So the administration then said, well, they have committed in the negotiations for the 10-year deal, the MOU that's memorandum of understanding that's being negotiated now, that they would include an annual uh, allocation. But the because in the past it was every year they had a common new. Here they were saying that. They would guarantee it for the 10 years. The problem is at what level? And, and here, the, what was troubling is that in the past where they accepted it, and the MOU does not affect this year, it doesn't come into effect until 2017, uh, that the amount of money, w- and given the developments this year, the Iranian missile program, the launching, the testing of, of long-range missiles, the 150,000, 120,000 missiles that are in, in uh, Hezbollah's hands, and we know many of them are more sophisticated, more better guidance systems. The missiles, the thousands of missiles that Hamas has, I mean, those alone would be reason why there should be increased amount and increased protection, provided to, that Israel should be able to defend its citizens with these programs that have proved so effective. Uh, certainly the Iron Dome was, and David Sling has, and uh, you know, by having more levels that you can deal with short-range, medium-range, and long-range missiles uh, pr- provides uh, additional protection. So our hope is that, that uh, the increased amount will be approved for this year, and then it, they will reach the understanding and have a long-term uh, understanding that the, the the missile defense aid will be uh, guaranteed every year.
0: Do you think the White House uh, used this approach because it's the final year of the Obama administration?
4: Well, it could be because uh, some have speculated that it's because of putting pressure on Israel to negotiate the Memorandum of Understanding. Uh, uh, some, I'm sure, will argue that the, when you look at the budget cuts in America, the allocations towards America's Missile Defense Program, um, there are, are, there's a lot of speculation. I don't want to get into that. Uh, I'm interested in the result, and that is that Israel is able to defend itself and provide benefit to protecting Americans.
0: But the speculation is so much fun, Malcolm.
4: That's true.
0: It's, you know, it's one of the best parts of the whole thing, is speculating. <laughs>
4: um, well, there's, there's so much to speculate about this week with with all of the announcements, and, and very relevant to this, that uh, you see that Hezbollah in Iran are, are putting reinforcements in Syria with more Hezbollah uh, um, terrorists coming up. They said maybe a 1,000 more who have come in, and um, uh, some say that they have now more than ten thousand troops in in Syria, uh, and uh, the, about ninety five percent of the Hezbollah terrorists have had uh, experience fighting in in Syria. And at the same time, Iran is recruiting uh, people to come to to Syria. You know, they have three million Afghans in in Iran, uh, and only about a third of them are legal. So they give all sorts of inducements, including seven hundred dollars a month and uh, a promise of of citizenship. I guess if they survive, <laughs> um, for people to, to to sign up, and the uh, and they're taking these mercenaries from for, for Syria, they're Afghanis, Iraqis, Pakistanis, uh, and others, um, and of course Hezbollah. So the the uh, that that was one thing, and the warning that the minister of intelligence gave that uh, to Nasrallah, uh, and and in used his name that. Uh, because we're now marking the 10 years since the second Lebanon war, mm-hmm. uh, warning him about the nature of the next conflict, and there have been other warnings saying, you know, many Lebanese will die if Hezbollah continues on the on the direction uh, that it's going. They've they've lost more than a thousand guys in the war in Syria, so they're not in the same. Uh, position, but the death of uh, Mustafa uh, Bardeen, if you remember, who is the head of their operations in Syria, has cost them because they they seem to be more disorganized uh, in, in Syria, and um, that's why maybe they're sending in more troops and want to make sure that they have that presence uh, uh, secured. But
0: they're funded the, uh, by uh, Iran, right? Me? Are they funded by Iran?
4: Hezbo- Hezbollah is Hezbollah is funded by Iran. And uh, in part, in large part, but they also have all these terrorist operations, including in the United States and businesses and all sorts of front groups, especially uh, the narco trade in, in drugs, going, for, which is just exposed this week again. Uh, very large amounts going from South America, the Africa t- into Europe. Uh, these things provide huge amounts of money for them. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, to, to support their activities, which remember are global, so they have to take yeah, for
0: operations. I, mean, I would think, it, w- I would think it wouldn't. I would think it wouldn't be difficult for them to get reinforcements and additional financial support, with the Iranians behind them.
4: Well, th- but Iran had cut back because of its own financial situation. Had to cut back on the aid that was being given. To, uh, and it's one of the issues why people argued against the increased money because they're right. saying that, that money will then go to the coffers of these terrorist groups that they are continuing to support they have
0: to cut the, they have to cut the terror budget huh the line item
4: they have to, they have to reduce it certainly yeah the line
0: item was uh, terror and,
4: and you know the, the there were some assessments this week about that Iran in fact was getting more economic relief. Than had been previously estimated, or whether the money that was frozen, um, it, it seems that in fact that money is is, uh, um, is flowing. And we saw that Iran Air was cleared for flights to Europe, and uh, there were clashes this week between the Iran Revolutionary Guard and the Kurds in Iran. Mm. Um, and the uh, the foreign minister of Iran was in Germany, which had vowed not to normalize ties. Yet what we, we saw there was certainly looking like they were moving to normalize ties, right. and in that context, the warning from the intelligence minister that uh, to Nasrallah, and by the way, the warning to Hamas that this will be the last war with Hamas, that Israel doesn't want to control Gaza, but they're not going to tolerate an endless war of attrition, uh, these warnings coming in, in, in one week are very interesting and are sending strong messages uh, to them.
0: I didn't even know that that message was supposed to be taken seriously, frankly, because we've heard that before about this being the last war with Hamas. But you're saying, well,
4: I think the message is that the last times Israel acted with restraint because they, they, uh, you know, the Lebanese were not the army was not part of uh, Hezbollah wasn't part of the Lebanese army. They were merged today. They're part of the government. They're part of the same entity, and so infrastructure, other things, become legitimate uh, 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 targets, and the uh, Hamas. Which has proven that it can't be a partner. That that any of the materials that Israel sends in, they steal. They they uh, take the cement, which the international community presses them and presses them to send in more, and they use it then for missile base and and the tunnels. So what is uh, Israel's warning is to the people and to others saying, you better understand. I mean, when Hamas celebrated the 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 killing in Tel Aviv by the the terrorists, you know it the people of Israel react very negatively to that. So Even t- Saudi Arabia sent messages of condolences.
0: So two years ago, when uh, when Israel decided to end you know, the war in Gaza when it did, uh, they they knew, essentially, they'd have to come back at some point. I mean, they were criticized, you know, within the country itself, they were criticized for, quote-unquote, not finishing the job, uh, but they knew that they'd have to come back at some point and, and, and take care of things. And uh, I... I, I I'll say this, I hope it is the next war where eventually they're not going to have to go back after that. Because it seems like each and every time you know, an operation takes place and uh, there's loss of life and Israeli society is turned on its head and, uh, and the job is not finished. So, I hope the threat is real, as you just described.
4: Well, but what I think, I think it does is to set a marker as a warning to the nations of the world because they're all going to condemn Israel when Israel has to act. And maybe the information they got about how extensive the tunnels are in the whole network, we know that in Gaza itself they, they have built, and, and people in Gaza have been giving information uh, without identifying themselves to, to reporters and others telling how at night they hear the rumble of trucks and the digging and the construction that's going on. Uh, and they don't want to become targets. So maybe this is a message to the, Le- to the Gazan people, to the Lebanese people, that you better take responsibility for your future and your security, because Israel has to do the same for its people. And to the international community, don't come back and cry crocodile tears. We're warning you now about what the consequences of, of this continuing threat uh, will be. And Israel, as I, I think I mentioned last week, is taking steps. They're carving out cliffs in the, in the north there, putting in all sorts of intelligence information, putting in uh, other observation facilities to uh, be able to monitor any effort to, to cross the border.
0: But don't you agree? I mean, you, the, the, the people in Gaza are at the mercy of the corrupt Hamas leaders. I mean, it's not really up to them to try to take control over what Hamas is doing.
4: Uh, yes, but you're, 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 the people there do have a voice, and they, it is true that that uh, Hamas is is uh, is brutal and the executions prove it, but you know the people have to take responsibility for their future as well, and they elected them at one point, and um, and Israel saying two things to them: one, we have no interest in going back into Gaza and taking Gaza and having to be responsible, you know, day to day for it and to control it, but on the other hand, you have to look at. The situation we face. And, and the world doesn't have sympathy for Israel's side. You know, they, they, they may issue a statement about a, to condemn an attack on steroids or something on their innocent lives, as we saw in, in Tel Aviv. But by and large, they say, look, Israel's strong. Israel's the power. But when you're fighting terrorists, it's, it's an asymmetric war every time. And so I think Israel is positioning itself
0: with this, to a degree, yeah. Uh, you, by the way, on the subject of uh, of Iran and its influence and the money, etc. So, I, I'm sure you saw what Ben Rhodes said this week that essentially, <laughs> essentially, the only benefit to the Iran deal, which of course he helped orchestrate and make sure it got passed, is that we've delayed. And it's funny, you, I say this as you just mentioned the uh, the the decades that were bought, you know, by Menachem Begin's act 35 years ago with Iraq. Uh, that they've that they 've basically have uh you know bought uh some years without uh, Iran having a nuclear weapon without having a nuclear bomb and and essentially saying isn 't that worth it is it you know with everything that went on even if they even if nothing's changed with the Iranian foreign policy and even if Iran is going to be you know loaded with money now isn 't it worth it this Iran deal because they're going to be delayed in the development of a nuclear weapon. The, the problem with that logic is that you have stated that you don't think this is going to delay their development of a nuclear weapon.
4: Well, I do think it has delayed, and I think that there are obviously some benefits when you take out the, as much enriched uranium. Uh, I don't understand why we're buying the heavy water from them, which is shipped out, but uh, you know, we're only encouraging them to continue it. We should just tell them to stop and not buy the... Uh, Heavy water that they're producing, but in in general, one has to say, look, it does stop. And but the argument all along was that this was never designed to put an end to the to the nuclear program, and that's why I keep arguing now about looking at it beyond the nuclear deal because you can offer justifications. You cannot offer any justification for the failure to act against the missile development program, which is a clear violation of UN Security Resolutions, a clear threat to the United States because these are ballistic missiles. Not intended for Israel, because Israel, they don't need that. They can use the SCUDs and shorter-range missiles. Uh, the, the continued support for terrorism, the undermining of the of our allies and regimes in the region, the support for Hamas and, and Hezbollah, and the global efforts, which one day we have to really talk about, especially about in South America and elsewhere. Uh, Africa, uh, every leader I meet from Africa now talks about Iran, the danger posed by Iran, the support of Iran for uh, terrorist organizations and the the uh, the failure to address those issues and get people to understand that the the deal which was supposed to yield a less aggressive Iran has in fact yielded a more aggressive Iran and that we have given them entree into Iraq into Syria there in Yemen and they they have not, not diminished their footprint they're expanding it
0: yeah. Uh, was there a big deal made about this new construction in uh, in East Jerusalem, Jewish construction? I mean, I saw a news story about it. But I don't know if there was any official American or other reaction to it that was detrimental to Israel.
4: Well, there's always criticism of any construction that Israel engages in. I mean, and not looking at the proportion of new Arab construction, uh, which doesn't get condemned. Yeah. Um, and there is criticism that Israel demolished uh, a number of houses. Um, so there is always it's an ongoing chorus of uh, criticism. Whether there will be specific consequences, we don't know. But you hear this this mantra, and I heard it from uh, a European foreign minister this week, and from other officials I met uh, during the course of the week. You know, where they you know talk about the, the construction of settlements and the settlement expansion, et cetera, and uh, always arguing about a freeze and how we have to create conditions. And when I remind them that Netanyahu did have a 10-month freeze, there were other freezes. You know they forget all about that, and the the you know if there's a freeze, I think it should be universal so that you don't have any change on the ground until you have negotiations. But even that is not going to yield and didn't yield the results expected because Abbas has to be willing to negotiate. Yeah. That's why you had all the talk this week and why the others talk about the Arab initiative, bringing in the making it regional. That you're not going to break through with Abbas, and as long as he's in power, he's not going to jeopardize his position. Uh, he clearly, um, you know, he's 80 years old, he, he's tired, He did whatever. But we have to stop arguing that he's better than the alternative when he is the obstacle. Does C- does I think there's growing sentiment in the PA about this as well.
0: Does CC openly uh, uh, criticize him for not getting to the negotiating table?
4: Uh, I think he has expressed his concerns about uh, Abbas's favor. When Abbas met with him, I know that he raised it uh I think CC has you know tried to put forward and use his position and, and Netanyahu uh, sort of welcomed it uh and has uh, looked in in as for the um the saudi plan you know the arab peace initiative as they called it to be revised and that uh, to make it more acceptable that israel could use it as a basis for opening to negotiations but they're saying look if you can negotiate and show that all of the arab world will come and recognize israel that they will be guarantors of palestinian behavior if they can um, and and put the pressure on the palestinians to deliver just as you know that there will be immense pressure on the israelis I don't think that this is anything imminent. I don't think that the conditions are there for negotiations yet. But there is certainly growing international pressure, and we're going to see it at the U.N. and and other places over the coming months. How far it will go is the question, not whether it will happen.
0: And speaking of the U.N., um, uh, the United Nations election of Israel to chair an important U.N. General Assembly permanent committee on international law. How significant was that this week?
4: Well, I I think it is important, and any time at a time when we we all see how the U.N. is is lining up agency after agency to criticize Israel, singing out Israel alone, World Health Organization, uh, etc., where it's so ludicrous that Israel, the Rights of Women Committee, um, singling out only Israel, in fact, and having all these great democracies, you know, Iran, Iraq, Syria, etc., voting to condemn them, Uh, and unfortunately, Europeans cowardly joining in some of these votes at the World Health Organization with Israel's record of taking in Syrians and the Gazans and treating even Hamas uh, officials, uh, families, etc., and their efforts around the world from Haiti to, to Nepal to provide uh, field hospitals and medical care, etc., to to um, people far beyond their borders. And yet they're singled out for this. And so the election to the sixth committee you know that the u.n. is organized around regional groupings there's one called WIAG, west european and others group because it's west europe but also u.s canada australia others belong to it israel because it couldn't join the arab bloc or the middle east bloc uh joined the western european and others group and they they it was their turn to have the chairmanship you know it rotates and usually it's done by acclamation here they had to go to a vote and they got 107 uh, 109 supportive votes um, there were about 58 abstentions and some votes against but the, the, um, the fact that they had to go to a vote was an unusual uh, step in this process but I think it, it shouldn't diminish the uh, recognition that this. And the United States played a very constructive role helping to, to push this uh, and the Committee on Legal Affairs can of course address serious issues
0: Uh, Looks like Yalon is throwing his hat into the ring for the next Israeli election already, by the way.
4: That ring is getting pretty full. There's a lot of people talking. Barack also subsequently uh, indicated that he might return. Um, People are talking about many other candidates. Uh, The situation here, obviously, the political situation is a little tumultuous, but I guess it always is. Uh, There's... uh, you know, all these reports, daily reports of some scandal or the other, and the, um, you know, I, I find, uh, you know, I'm concerned about the sentiment, the political sentiment I hear, but people are frankly much more concerned about what's going on in the United States. It's the one question everybody asks, you know, stopped me in the streets, I spoke at, at a conference yesterday, and it's the only issue people want to talk about is, is the presidential election, and I won't, because as I said, I believe it's. It has deterred us from addressing very serious issues, and including the congressional elections and, more importantly, the substantive issues. But uh, I would say that there is a, 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 some po- a mood of political unrest. It's not the first time and Netanyahu has weathered it before, and whether he can this time, and obviously we'll see.
0: Live from Jerusalem, we thank Malcolm Homeline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Malcolm, enjoy Shabbat in Yerushalayim.
4: Uh, Thank you. I I just wanted to tell one other thing that I thought was important this week was a Reuters study about 90 cases in court cases in the United States of Islamic State terrorists. And you remember I kept saying that that they don't get attention, but there's almost every month a case against an Islamist. These are 90 cases in recent years um, against Islamic State terrorists in the United States. Three quarters were not isolated but part of a group. So when we see all of the ideas that they're always lone wolves, There are always, in the vast majority of cases, less than 10 of them acted alone. The rest all had some sort of a co conspirator, and, uh, you know, even in isolated areas. So uh, this is a study since, I think, 2014. Uh, So when people read in the papers and they right away jump to conclusions about loan, not loan, take a look at it and understand that. uh, I think the dynamics are very different.
0: Oh, no question about that. Uh, thank you very much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is in Yerushalayim in Jerusalem. Malcolm Homeline at JM and the AM. Weekly update one week from now. We will pick up all these issues again here at JM and the AM. Uh, Friday morning, Arab Shabbos Parshas Nusso. Uh, in Israel, by the way, it's not Parshas Nusso. In Israel, it's uh, Balos. so well, That's a story, I guess, for a different day. Candlelighting at 8.09. 8.09 is candlelighting time on this era of Shabbos. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start. Where you are, Sunday is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the dear old dads out there. From all of us here at JM and the AM. And a reminder that mattis hosts JM Sunday this coming Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, and he will be giving away tickets to the Brooklyn Cyclones at MCU Park Tuesday night for Jewish Heritage Nights. Make sure you're tuned in Sunday morning, starting at 7 o'clock to Matis at JMAM.org and, of course, on the NSN app. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Udin. Good morning, Nachum. Good erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege
5: of reading Parshas Nasso. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Naso contains 18 mitzvos. You find in Parshas Naso, Birkas Kohanim, that very special bracha, that the Kohanim who are the conduit. Of bestowing bracha on the Jewish people, you have the parsha of the sota, the suspected adulteress, the parsha of the nazir, and by the way, ten out of the eighteen mitzvos in the parsha are devoted to the nazir. Parshas Naso has the distinction of being the longest. Parsha in the Torah containing 176 psukim you're going to tell me it's coincidence there's probably nothing coincidental the longest chapter in Tanakh is still in 119 which has 176 verses and the longest tractate Gemara in Shas. Is that above a Basra with 176 pages? I'd like to focus on the Haftorah. Starting with Haftorah, and the Haftorah, our rabbis tell us, according to many, was instituted at a time when the Jewish people were forbidden to read the Torah and the rabbis chose a section from Tanakh which reflected one of the major themes of the parsha, and so it is understandable that the Torah comes from the book of Shoftim chapter 13 whereby we read of the birth of Shimshon We're told that a Malach comes to the wife of Monoach and tells her, A, she's going to have a boy, and he is going to be a Nazir for his entire life. Ki Nazir elokim but i bet him he's going to be a nazir of god from his literally from the womb until the day of his death and that's why he even gives her a restricted diet during her pregnancy already that she's not to drink wine now interestingly Manoach comes home, and what was doing today? Oh yes, <laughs> special visitor came, and she tells her husband of the message that the Malach, the angel of God, gave her. And what does he do? Immediately, Manoah davens to God and says, please... Send him back so that he can teach us what we shall do with this boy. Now wait a minute. Is it that Manoah did not trust his wife? Does he think that she didn't get the message correct? What is he asking for? Doesn't he know what it is to be a Naseer? And so God listens to him and sends the malach a second time. And when Manoach meets up with the malach, so he says to the malach, tell me what's going to be with this boy. So the malach says, wait a second. From all that I told your wife, you shall follow very clearly. Whatever I have commanded her, observe. So what is being accomplished the second time that we don't already have from the first time? Says Rav Schwab, it is Mayan, base Eva, a brilliant insight into this Torah Manoach believed his wife. Manoach knew what it means to be a Nazir. The restrictions that a Nazir can't drink wine. That a Nazir can't cut his hair. That a Nazir can't come in contact with the dead. What is it? that Manoach was questioning and asking, explains Rav Schwab that Manoach was saying, how can I, who am not a Nazir, how can I raise a child who is a Nazir? And you know what the Malach says to Manoach? Elohim Manoach, you are right. And therefore he understands when... When the Malach says to him, whatever I commanded or tishmor, he understands tishmor that you shall observe. Namely, you should conduct yourself as if you are a Nazir. Why? Because Manoach was asking B'Shayla in pedagogy. Namely, how to raise children, how to properly be the proper parent to a child. And the Malach says to him, children learn by example. It's not what you tell them, but what you show them. And therefore, in this case here, you, Manoach, are to conduct yourself as a Nazir. What a powerful idea emerges from this Haftorah. And how pertinent this is the way to get children to daven in shul is not to shush them. Let children see you daven. And once they see how important and meaningful and special the davening is to you, they will emulate you as well. Rav Aaron Salavechik, of Levracha, interpreted the verse... In Parshas Vayera, that Hashem says in the Torah, What is there about Avraham that I especially love? So the Torah says, Ki yadativ, I love him. You want to know why? In chapter 18, verse 19, Why do I love Avram? Because he commands his children and his household after him. Commands what? There's a verb missing. Command to do? No! There's nothing missing, explains Aaron Salavechik. Achorov. Avram taught by example. His children saw. They saw his incredible Gemilus Hasodim and therefore in the chapter of Gemilus Hasodim he shares the experience with Yishmael because he gives as we are told over there Elhanahar. He includes Yishmael in the process by virtue of the fact that Yeshmoel saw how important Gemilus chasadim was to his father. One of my rabbeim told me a beautiful insight into the Shema. You'll notice that there is a change in the Shema between the first and second paragraphs, between pedagogy and the mitzvah of tefillin. In the first paragraph of the Ohavta, you have vishinantam levonecha, teach it to your children. And that's followed by ukshartem le'os avyodecho, the mitzvah of tefillin. In the first paragraph, vishinantam levonecha, the children are Talmidecha. It's a rebbe to his children. A rebbe first teaches the laws of tefillin and then ukshartem once the student has learned the laws of tefillin then he puts them on that's the relationship between a rebbe and a talmud in the second paragraph v'hoyo im it's reversed ukshartem le'os al yodecha bind them as a sign on your hand and then as Benechem, teach it to your children. And the answer is because in the second paragraph it's parents teaching children. And how do parents teach children? The ideal is by example. Ukshartem Os, you the father, you put on tefillin. You show how exciting and important mitzvot are to you. And that is the Limatitem osam. That is the best way to perpetuate and teach your children. The idea is so strong. We find in perke Avos that we are in the process of studying during the summer months. You have as a refrain, so often the Mishnah begins with who are your Omer. And who are your Omer literally means he used to say, and it usually refers to the continuation of the teaching of a prior Mishnah and the name of the particular Tanah was listed in the prior Mishnah. But Rav of Raha would often say that Huwaya Omer was not necessarily a verbal teaching which emanated from the teacher, but who His persona, His very nature, that was the Haya Omer. It came from Him. Do as I do, not necessarily even do as I say. And I would recommend that you take out the Chumash to the very beginning of the And in chapter 1, Passage twenty seven, passage twenty eight. God blesses Adam and Chava. She's not yet created, but Vayivorech Osum Elokim. God bless them. Vayomer lohem Elokim Puruvu. Literally, multiply and right. Umilu esaritz Puruvu. What does it mean? Urevu. So Rav Hirsch. ...in his own brilliant way... ...points out the following... ...that the mere physical increase of the human race... ...presupposes something more than just begetting children... ...if even in the case of many species of animals... ...the increase of the breed is dependent on the care of the young... ...this is much more the case in the human race even looked at purely from a physical point of view it is a much greater necessity a human child would have no chance of survival at all were it not cared for by its parents right from birth and its bodily preservation and development further by this parental care but listen carefully now not the birth the aftercare is the real factor of increase of the human race. The ravot in urvu is something more and higher. The parents are to multiply themselves by their children. They are to repeat themselves in each of their children. The children are to be replicas not only of the physical bodily traits of their parents but also of their spiritual, intellectual and moral selves. What a powerful idea. And this is what Rav Schwab is telling us is the important lesson found in the Torah. And this is the very important lesson of parenting that we find within our tradition. It's not an easy task. But I trust and pray that the insight of our Chachamim into good parenting is going to be one that we will try our darnest as parents and grandparents to emulate, to please God, perpetuate and bring forth a door yesharim that bring us, all of Chai Yisrael, and especially themselves, a great deal of nachas. Shabbat shalom. To all.
0: J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. My thanks, Rabbi Yudin. Um, erev Shabbos parsha is so candle lighting at eight oh nine on this erev Shabbos. Well, I cannot let this week conclude here at JM and the AM without a few minutes of discussion about uh, somebody who is extremely important and dear to us. And I I really could have asked anybody in the JM and the AM family to join me on the air for this. So, uh, um, you know, had to choose choose somebody. And uh, in this case, we've gone with two people. Uh, Mattis Weingast, my longtime partner here at JM and the AM, is with us live via telephone. And Mayor Ferdig, who was the JM and the AM representative, and I am so indebted to him because I was not able to be there at Buddy Strassman's funeral. Uh, but he was representing us and was there um, at the funeral earlier in the week. Uh, he's with us live via telephone as well. Mattis Weingast, Mayor Ferdig, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I don't know where to begin, uh, maybe begin at the very start because uh, some people who are long time JM and the AM listeners, um, are familiar with the story, but it's certainly worth telling in this context and in this forum. Uh, the Strassman family first became involved with JM and the AM when Mrs. Strassman of blessed memory, um, showed up one morning during our JM and the AM fundraiser. Am I getting it right so far, (laughs) Matis? Yes, you are. (laughs) And and really became (laughs) what we called her years later the first JM and the AM caterer because she brought along a box of donuts and some other treats for us to enjoy as we were doing the show at that time. And uh, what happened from there was uh, she blossomed into the most amazing JM and the AM volunteer, never missed a marathon day. I think she was in competition with Matis about that for a long, long time about not missing marathon days, and then um, uh, her husband, Buddy Strassman, who just passed away this past shavuus earlier this week, uh, joined her, um, I believe, even before they closed their store and before they retired. He was already involved here, and then after that, of course, involved so much more. And I will tell the two of you the following um, that I always say to my family. Uh we had the privilege, thank God, of meeting thousands of people and thousands of really, really good people over the years in our community. But no matter what, no matter who you meet, you will never meet people like the Strassmans again. They were so unique and so incredible. And the uh, Matas, you know what I mean by that, right? They were Absolutely. just a a, a a breed that you just don't see too often. Right.
6: A very fine couple. Uh as you said we uh we met Mrs. Strassman very early on, and she was like the mother of the marathon and, yeah. and the mother to J.M. and the A.M. Uh, and uh, Buddy was uh, not just the father, but her helper also, her yeah. her partner in life. And uh, I think they retired in about 1991.
0: So Was it uh, that early? I yeah, didn't... it was
6: early on, and, yeah. uh, and then they... They came
0: all the time, though. Oh, uh, all the time, and I could tell so many, I, I was telling somebody yesterday, just uh, these small vignettes of their involvement at the radio station. Mrs. Strassman used to, used to come to the radio station on days that I had Binyamin, you know, one or two-year-old Binyamin with me, to babysit for him so I could do the show. <laughs> right, really? <laughs> yeah, not a joke at all. We have, I never we, knew that. We have pictures of the two of them hanging out in the studio, and Binyamin remembers all these captains, not when he was two, but a little later on, and uh, and then uh, and then of course you know they loved fishing. You know, Buddy was a real fisherman, yeah. right? So he would show up to the radio station with that little um, that little container, you know, with dry ice in it uh, to send bluefish home for the, always bluefish. It was always bluefish, and it was delicious. <laughs> home for the seagulls. <laughs> and I would toss the empty container back in the car and, and trade with him the next time for a full one. I mean, they always had us in mind and they were always so wonderful to us. And, uh, you know what one of their wedding gifts was to us, by the way? You know, because no. they owned the hardware store. Right, right. One of their wedding gifts was this large toolbox with every tool imaginable inside. <laughs> right. Not knowing. That's a pretty good gift. Yeah, not knowing the person they were giving it to <laughs> would have absolutely no clue how to use any of it.
6: <laughs> well, it, it must have made a great uh, plaything for all the kids to hire over the years.
0: <laughs> no question right. about that, Mayor Ferdy. I mean, I, I heard the recording of uh, Ken Strassman's eulogy of his father. Uh, You know, not to toot our own horn, and you know I try not to do that, but it it must have been exhilarating in a way for you to be sitting there and hearing how meaningful this program and station was to his father.
3: It it actually was was it it made me feel very proud. It made me feel very sad. It was it was uh, as most people know when you go to a funeral, you even if people you know or or you know know fairly well you hear the most amazing things about them, you know. And uh, I don't just mean, you know, what a great person they were, but vignettes and and, and, and details, uh, you know, that, that flush out the person for your memory, which is, of course, a wonderful thing in that moment, because that's all you've got is your memory. Yeah. And when, as as Ken was standing up there to begin his Hespits, his eulogy, I was reflecting just for a moment about, about their involvement with JM and the AM and buddies involvement with JM and the AM. And then the first words out of his mouth were in what was a beautiful speech by the way, yeah. for so many people. His oh. first words out of his mouth were about a radio program and a radio station and their, you know, so to speak adopted son. <laughs> and it was it was very beautiful. It really was. And he uh, he said that his parents father and, you know, speaking about his father in the moment, but his parents, uh, he said got more out of their involvement with J.M. and the AM than J.M. and the AM got out of, you know, got from their involvement. I, I almost found that hard to believe, but, yeah. of no, course, of course, of course, it, it, it's, it, it is believable, and it, it was really beautiful. And um, I and it it was it was very special.
0: You know, they, they used to visit the Strassman's used to visit a, a a rabbi that was very important to their family on a weekly basis to help him out to help him out and you know take care of things around the house things like that. Mm-hmm. And this was a a I think it was weekly a weekly pilgrimage they made. I think it was up to Westchester in that area mm-hmm. uh, to to visit and and I'm sure their children know this and and their grandchildren should know this their their dedication to Jewish education to making sure that their family would be Jewishly educated, which, of course, was such a vital topic and, 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 and in many families, a real debate back in that era uh, about where to send children and what type of education you want for them. And they were so dedicated to it and it was so important to them. And Matis and Mayer, we have met, in addition to their children, many of their grandchildren, and my God... Does that generation make them proud? They have such—I mean, what a reputation anybody who comes from their uh, lineage has is just unbelievable. They have just produced such incredible people in our community.
6: I think I also it's important to mention that when they came to the radio station, when the Strassmans would come, and especially Mrs. Strassman, uh, they did so with such humility and and wanted to be behind the scenes. And yeah. when you would mention <laughs> Mrs. Strassman's <laughs> name, right, she was like. Uh, yeah, it goes through these contortions of trying to hide from a non-existent television. I mean, it's if I would know, def- a camera. Rather. If I
0: would refer to her on the air, the way she <laughs> stared at me would stick with me for the next day and a half.
6: Absolutely, and and that was part of it. Also, that's what they've given over to the children. As you said, we've seen the grandchildren come in uh, that they do things without looking for any great any great honor, Uh, they do things just because they tremendously enjoy helping and they get something out of it.
0: Uh And, and Mayor, you heard uh, the eulogy. You were there, of course, in person uh, that Ken gave to his father and the description of his friendliness and camaraderie with everybody Mm -hmm. that he came in. Have you ever met anybody who is more aptly nicknamed than Buddy (laughs) Strassman? Have you ever met anybody who is, I mean, talk about Schmo Kanehu. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Everybody's buddy, literally.
3: It was absolutely, uh, that is absolutely the truth. (laughs) He was just a remarkably, they they used the word affable during the funeral, and that was such a good word to describe him because he he was not just friendly, but affable, and, and there was a warmth about it, about him. And, uh,. Uh, you know, you were talking about the family's connection to education. Rose Candle, their daughter, was yeah. one of uh, two of our kids' favorite, one, most wonderful teachers
0: ever. Yeah, Rose is amazing. And
3: but can I tell you something? Can I tell you a cool story, real quick? Sure. One day, I came home from work and discovered this is shortly after Naftali was born. Naftali is now going to be, I'm turning eleven.
6: Wow!
3: Uh, I came home and Rose Candle was in the house, taking care of Naftali and doing homework. Dovid, because Connie had gotten sick during the day, and was flat on her back. Huh. And he, Rose, so I believe was Dovid's teacher at the time. And she heard what was going on, and she came home. She, she I guess, got Duvet home and came in to take care of Naftali until I came home from work.
0: <laughs> Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, huh? No. No. <laughs> and I gotta, before we wrap up, and I, and I gotta turn to both of you and put you on the spot about your memory of that day. With all the things, we had so many adventures with the Strassmans and so many encounters with them and so many great little stories. But none, none compares to August 30th, I believe it was. Matis, you'll let me know if I'm right or wrong. I think it was August 30th, 1998. When on the air, we went into the Strassman RV in East Orange, and Buddy Strassman drove us on the air. We were doing this on the air. I think Mm -hmm. it was six or seven of us on the air to Jersey City to this building. And in this very room, it was the first time we ever broadcasted, essentially, from this very room that I'm in right now in Jersey City. And I'm telling you, I remember, I, I mentioned it earlier in the week when I mentioned his passing, I remember that day, as being such a celebration, I could not have asked for a more fitting couple to escort us to our new home than right. Hilda and Buddy Strassman. Anything come to mind in your, for the two of you from that day?
6: I would say that uh, it was the first trip of the Jewish Unity Initiative
3: <laughs> Very good, that <laughs> you
6: have put here because uh, I, I wrote this down before and I was going to mention this because you are traveling now around the world bringing the show and bringing everything of uh, Jewish unity to many disparate places that I needed. Here, we took a trip from East Orange to Jersey City in an RV, and it, the feeling, I, I just remember, I still remember sitting in there and, and talking with everyone and, and hearing about what people were reacting to, and it was just amazing, amazing feeling to go from one place to another. Uh, people will, uh, will will might get upset at what I'm going to say, but you know when you have a hakhnasah sefer Torah and bringing Sefer Torah to a new place, it is a joyous, tremendous celebration. So, how many times have people like Rabbi Goldwasser said that you know, yours is the largest yeshiva in the world, mm-hmm. and bringing that that body of Torah and the entire show from one place to another through their vehicle as a tremendous memory that I have.
0: Oh, amazing.
6: That's a great, great analogy, Morris.
0: Mayor, anything you want to add?
3: Nothing except that um, I I am glad that I was able to be there.
0: Oh, thank you! I thank you so much.
3: And uh, you know, I mean, how often do we have opportunities? I'll use that word advisedly to to attend funerals, and I say that in the you know in the largest possible sense obviously you know you want to provide a code off somebody and to be there for their family and so forth but how often does uh, does work or whatever other obligations intervene um and i'm glad i was able to be there it was very meaningful and they were they were wonderful people wow. and there are a lot of good memories and a lot of my jam the A memories
0: two quick wrapped up in them two quick things about that day by the way Back in August of 98, as is typical, as both of you have said, the Strassman's always wanted to be behind the scenes. We asked Buddy to come on upstairs to join the celebration. And what does he say? He wouldn't. You know why? He's got to stay with the RV. Yeah, <laughs> I said, of course, of course, he got right. to that. that was the first and uh, only time I've
3: ever been in an RV, by the way.
0: <laughs> and then, the road, I mean. and then, I don't know if you remember this. I had prepared really well for this on the road, and believe me, you know the checklist of what to take on the road wasn't made back in 1998. So right. we tried. I mean, and Stork, you may recall that Stork was in the studio in East Orange, you know, making sure yeah. to engineer the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I, I had forgotten to leave him. Hatikva. Oh, and, right. and you remember what happened? We sang it. Yes. We sang Hatikva. In, in, in the RV. In, in, no, in, in the studio. Oh, in the studio. We sang oh, Hatikva right. together in the studio the first day we were ever in this building. Wow. Buddy Strassman, right. a blessed memory. We miss him and condolences to the entire Strassman family. Gentlemen, I thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Matis Weingast, Mayor Furtick, helping me remember one of the most amazing people, Buddy Strassman, who passed away on Shvues He and his wife, Hilda, or as she was more commonly known to us, Mrs. Strassman, so meaningful in the history of this radio broadcast. Time to say Good Shabbos. This is JM in the AM. The sun is going down.
1: It's shining.
0: And brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listen to sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live. In the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Hey, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to Blimey and Josh Berkowitz. Blimey and Josh Berkowitz, Menachem Yitzchak's Bar Mitzvah is tomorrow. Mazel Tov, Menachem Yitzchak, from all of us here at JM in the AM. And to the Berkowitz family, we say Mazaltov. Tov. Uh, wonderful simcha. We will be thinking of you tomorrow. Um, uh, Naomi Nachman's next video is up at nachomsiegel.com, of table for two. Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, which is the only way to go into Shabbos by listening in all through the day, uh, is available starting at 10 a.m. Just go to uh, org or the NSN app and enjoy. Matis with JM Sunday and tickets for the Cyclones Jewish Heritage Night Sunday morning starting at 7 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. We'll speak to you on Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend till Monday and happy Father's Day. Till Monday Nahom single reminding you remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.